Hi, you're listening to the Flow State Fishing Podcast. What do you mean? There's fucking two Sheilas in the boat. <laughs> Listen to me. Every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, let's see if I can nail this in one take. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hustle and Grind Coffee. High quality, single origin coffee by world-class growers, roasted to order. Subscribe and save with no lock-ins, fortnightly and monthly delivery options available straight to your door. The website will be live this Friday, which I'm super excited about. This Friday, 17th of July, and the address is www.blowstateproductions.com.au. Get at us on socials or email us at info at flowstateproductions.com.au. One take, my fucking boom. Ryan, welcome, man. Whoa. Nervous? And we're live. I am a bit. <laughs> you shouldn't be, man. Oh, you're right, I shouldn't be because I talk shit for a living. So <laughs> I talk shit and brew coffee for a living. Pretty much got the best job in the world. It is, it's an awesome job. <laughs> We're here with um, Ryan Tolman, works for Freelance Roasters. That's right. Freelance Roasting. Roasting, sorry. Do you know what? Souls. Do you know what's really funny though? What? For the first like two months that I was working here, mm. I thought that I worked at Freelance Roasters. It's actually oh. not Freelance Roasting. Well, there you go. I even wrote it up on the wall and everything like that. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah, it's like a big don't even know black where the fuck I work. decal <laughs> on right the wall. It's me. right there. Just read Massively. It. Just fucking read it. Can you read, Ryan? Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Ryan is a massive coffee enthusiast. He's actually coffee got... Nerd? Coffee wanker, probably. Nerd. I'll give you nerd. Fair enough. <laughs> You've got the caffeine... What's that called? That is a caffeine molecule. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like the little DNA-looking Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Tattooed, tattooed on your tattooed wrist. Tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. And do you know what? The story behind that is in the coffee industry, it's kind of hard to separate yourself from. Like, everybody is a fucking. And look, no disrespect to people out there that are self confessed uh, coffee experts or coffee aficionados, but almost nobody actually has any goddamn qualification when it comes to coffee. Yeah. They just started <laughs> making it and then. Now they're qualified. Yeah. So how do I separate myself? Somebody who genuinely wants to be an expert in the field. Yeah. How do I separate myself from other people in the industry that are self-confessed? <laughs> Someone at the door, bro. Got a brew mug of coffee. So one of the ways that I did that was went and got a fucking caffeine tattoo. It's a great way to get yourself a job. It's yeah separated me from everybody else. Shows that was you legit. Trying to get work at that joint. So. <laughs> Well, let's step it back. Um, where are you born and raised, man? Like, so, what's your story? Victoria, Victoria, Australia. Ew. Yeah, I know. You right? moved up here with the humans, finally. I did. God damn it! All my <laughs> mates down there are like freezing cold. Yeah, poor bastards. We're in t-shirts. I know. It's lovely. Um, yeah, Victoria. Grew up in an area called Tynong North, which is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> Where um, everybody's related to each other's sister. <laughs> we moved out there and we, we moved to the Mornington Peninsula, which was kind of like this up-and-coming area for Melbourne. Yep. So it's south of Melbourne, it's about an hour away, and it was kind of this little pocket of like wealthy people that had like beach houses outside Melbourne. Yep. So there was kind of like this upper middle class 
yep. where coffee shops and things like that were really starting to sort of proliferate. Yep. Melbourne, at least when I first got into the industry, was starting to become the capital of coffee in the world. Now it's well understood that Melbourne's the best place in the world to drink coffee. But when I first in got in the me, world, yeah, we're talking world, not nation. Worldwide, not not nation worldwide. People in the coffee industry come to Melbourne to learn how to make coffee. Where? Crazy, right? That is insane. So when I was first sort of coming up in the industry, this I was really lucky. I was only an hour away and Melbourne was blowing up in terms of we were seeing, you know, some of the best coffee shops, coffee companies in the world were launching. Yep. Um, and we we were, you know, me and my, you know, the other guys that I came up through the industry with, we were an hour away, you know, in an area that we could copy what was kind of happening in Melbourne. We saw cafes that were working. Yep. We saw roasteries that were taking off and we were basically able to carbon copy that and yep. do it do it on the peninsula um, so I spent as in we being your family or what me and just other hospitality guys that I worked with you know yeah, one okay. of them being the most notable being you know um, my mate and eventually my boss for like 10 years a yeah. chap named Sam Keck people yep. in the coffee industry will know of him he's, he's pretty well known well regarded yep. we worked together for 10 years in the coffee industry down on the peninsula yep. um, trying to just trying to work out what the hell we were going to do with this stuff. Yep. Like, where do we take it? How so what, it? what got you into that? I guess, did you know you wanted to do coffee? Well, actually, or did you want to just get into hospitality? Originally, I mean, everybody does their hospitality stint. Almost everybody yeah. does a cafe, like a... Cafe, bar, yeah. Cafe, like bar, mean. restaurant Retail stint type thing. thing. Yep. And I was right in the middle of trying to work out whether I was going to go into film and television or go into theatre production, yep. um, specifically in like lighting. Yep. That was actually what I was going to go off and study and instead I decided to do a gap year. Yep. Uh, I was working in this restaurant and one of my managers was like, right, time for you to learn how to use this espresso machine. Uh, this is a cappuccino, this is a flat white, tamp this hard, grind size, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I would have been like 15 at the time. I've never drunk coffee before. Yep. It seems that all of these drinks have an espresso in them. So yeah. you're telling me that if the espresso is no good, then all of the drinks are going to taste like shit. No. So my first experience in coffee was what we call a cupping, where you do, where you set a baseline. Yep. Right? Yeah, well, we done one. Yeah, we did. For we did. the flow state roast. Exactly. Yep. You need a baseline, you need a datum to measure from. So I said to the manager at the time, can you make me a really crap tasting espresso and can you make me one correctly? And I'll taste the difference. That was like my first experience in coffee. Yep. And in the industry, that is basically the only way to, to know if what you're doing is any good. Yep. My job as a roaster is I will roast a batch. Yep. Taste it. Yep. Make one tiny little adjustment, go back and taste it. You always yep. got to have a baseline to, to sort of measure everything yeah, off. Yeah, but um, adjustment. No, we'll get to that. Keep going. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to this, roasting. Oh man, this is going to be fucking. Yeah, it's going to get deep. We're getting <laughs> deep into the the human psyche the and the way that the we, philosophy and, and of... the way that we perceive flavor. Anyway, mm. so that's that was my early days. Yep. I thought, fuck, this is really interesting. The more I learned about coffee and where it comes from and all of the 
the moving parts that go into making a decent cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, I found it really interesting. Um, so I kind of got stuck into it, you know, trying to learn as much as I could. In It would have been 2012, I went off and passed my uh, Q graders license, yep. which is like probably the only qualification you can hold in the coffee industry that holds any clout. Yep. Um, it's a bit like a sommelier license. At the time when I got my license, it was there was about 2,000 people in the world that held a license. Yep. Okay, let's go back. How do we know if coffee's any good? Yeah, well, okay. with timber, or better, better question to ask is how do we know what coffee's worth? Well, if we're talking about timber or steel, it's pretty obvious. I'll take this piece of timber and we can bend it and we can compress it and we can crush it and we can work out what its strength is. Based on that, we know how much it's worth. Yeah. Same thing with steel, same thing with anything else. How do we know what coffee's worth? Yep. Well, you've got to taste it. Okay, mm. well, how do we know that the person who's tasting it understands how taste works? Yeah. Because it's Explain very the subjective. When you go under this. It's very subjective the way yeah. that you taste things. Yeah. So you have to be licensed to grade the quality of coffee. So there, at the time when I got my license, there was 2,000 people in the world licensed to use their palate that's to, not a lot of people not a lot no to grade the quality of coffee and and help the market understand yep. what it's worth yep that's that's the qualification that I have yep and that was back in 2012 and I've just spent the better part of over a decade now which is crazy to think drinking coffee learning where it comes from spending time in Africa setting up a coffee plantation uh, I helped launch a coffee roasting company in Melbourne and now I'm up here in Townsville doing basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I work for this really rad, tiny little coffee company. We're sitting in it right now. It's yep. a single room that is smaller than my lounge room. Yep. And I hope that from this tiny little epicenter we can really sort of like push the envelope for coffee in North Queensland. I think you already are. Like... I haven't tasted better yet and I haven't tasted Jeez, yeah it's good man I've, I've, I've sussed out I've sussed out a fair few different like well I know that you don't sleep so I figure there's no. a pretty good chance that you <laughs> investigated you every coffee roasting company <laughs> yep. within a couple of hundred kilometres a year yeah basically um, that's really cool to hear I was stoked to even find one I was like googled coffee roasters and then mm-hmm. there's obviously a bazillion came up Mm. Australia-wide and then I was like oh, I wonder if there is any at home so mm. I went Coffee Roasters Townsville the first one on the bar was you guys crazy because there's a couple of others here isn't there there are a few yeah and I was just like oh okay I'll suss these guys out I sussed the other two um, and then got a really good vibe from here and the level of like personalism mm. I guess like, and investment like you're invested in like you're not just mass producing yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? For and sure. It's, yeah. Love in the bag, man. Like, every roast. <laughs> Love in the bag. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> but um, back on flavour, because um, you mentioned cupping, and just explain to the people what that is. Okay. So, <laughs> to different people, it means different things. <laughs> mm. I've had both. <laughs> Cough three times. <laughs> Um, so when we're tasting coffee what we need to do is we need to isolate 
all of the different sort of flavor characteristics. Yeah. So one of the things that we can do is, okay, so let's explain the process of developing your coffee. Yep. What we do is I roast, yeah. uh, I roast the coffee a certain way. Yep. And then we make an adjustment to it, yep. be it the temperature that the coffee gets to or how long it stays inside the roaster for. Yep. And we see what the difference, what difference that has on the coffee. It's fairly simple, right? Mm-hmm. And we, from those two cups of coffee, the two bowls we call them, from those two bowls we go, okay, was the first lot better or the second lot better? What do we like about either of them? Which direction should we head? Okay, well, the second one is definitely heading in the direction that we like. The flavors yeah. are maybe more bolder or they yeah. are softer or they are more balanced or How whatever. How do you taste it? So the, they're like really big coffee mugs, basically. Yeah. And you... you because there's a genet- there's worldwide, isn't there? That it's all it's the same amount of coffee in the same amount of water. Yeah, the I probably same should way. have explained that. You definitely should. So, on a table, what is a cupping? Yeah, we have these coffee bowls. They all have the same volume. Yep. We can fit the same amount of water in them, and we add exactly the same amount of coffee. It's twelve grams in every single yep. cup. And that's we, a standard worldwide. Isn't that's it? a standard worldwide. Yeah. So. On a table, we might have you know thirty different bowls, each of them with slight variants yep. in them. There's a bit of sort of like mucking around in terms of like cleaning the coffee off of the top because there's no filter. We don't yeah. filter the coffee out. All yeah. the fragments just sort of fall yeah, to the bottom. Yeah, because that foam shit is what really acidic, isn't it? And well, it's just kind of really bitter and gross. Yeah, you don't want to drink it because it's chunk shit. Yeah. So we don't filter it. There are no percolators or anything like that. It's just a bowl, ground coffee, hot water goes in. After four minutes, there is a crusty kind of foam that forms on top. Yep. We scrape that foam off, and then what's left underneath is just a bowl of hot coffee. Yep. And at the very bottom are it's... coffee granules. Yep. And so we just start tasting that. Um, with a spoon. With a spoon. You just yep. like slurp it like soup. Yeah, um, really it's quickly really for some reason. What's it really quickly for? The idea is that when you slurp your coffee, <laughs> I kind of want to do it right into the microphone because mm. you've got headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> you slurp it, the idea is to uh, atomize the coffee and sort of spread it across your whole palate so that yep. you're hitting everything at the same time. Um, I don't really know if it makes that much of a difference, but yeah. it's kind of what we do. It sounds fancy. It sounds fancy. I mean, you, like I've probably just drink it <laughs> you probably could <laughs> a lot, not like an idiot yeah. yeah so we slurp it slurp it like hot soup and pay attention to what's going on yeah and that's but you ta- like I was trying to explain this to someone yesterday is like yeah there's a formula the f- yeah and the, a- the, your flavours are based on feel sort of sort like, of sort of like, like sort of so when yeah. you're first learning how to taste coffee textures are really useful to pay attention to so instead of trying to get you to say I think this tastes like mandarin not orange yeah well nobody's going to really be able to pick that up on their first day but to say this one tastes rounder than this one you know that's yeah textures are a really useful way to think about taste yeah in your early days and then you can get into oh this is malic acidity and this is phosphoric acidity and all those sort of things um, big words man uh, yeah you can get into that stuff later yep but it's coming back and, and trying to understand the way that we taste 
Yeah. His taste is goddamn fascinating. Yeah. Is that why you got into coffee? Why I did you get into so. coffee? I think that's why I kept being interested in it because it's... So, you, like, you started your hospitality and then you just went, oh, like started coffee's cool and then you just got addicted to it. Yeah. Like, like super one day about. I was being told how to use the espresso machine and like I said, look, these tiny adjustments in the way that we brew coffee made it go from being undrinkable mm. to being delicious. Yeah. From really average and not something that I would ever want to drink ever again mm. to being something that's really exciting. Yep. And I read... Do you remember... Do you know Robert Kiyosaki's book? Nah. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Don't think so. Okay. Awesome book. I really recommend it. And somewhere in there, in one of his books, I can't remember which one it was, maybe it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he says, find... Uh, What's, your, what's the what's the quote? I'll look it up while you're trying to think of it. Try to... What is it? How can I do what I do for more people for a better price? Say that again. How can I do what I do for more people for a better price? Yeah, right. That's cool. That's one of those things, one of those moments, and yep. there's a few of them that I've had through my life listening to an audiobook. This is not an ad for Audible. <laughs> I've been listening to... <laughs> Audiobooks and these quotes have just sort of been throwaway lines and they've been like mind-blowing. How can yeah. I do what I do for more people for a better price? Yep. And I remember standing at the espresso machine in this cafe that me and eventually, you know, the, the boss that I would end up working for for the next 10 years, yeah. were both standing there working away. And I remember looking down the docket line and there was just like hundreds of people. We had a yeah, line yeah. out the door and I was getting absolutely smashed between the two of us. We yep. couldn't make coffee fast enough. And I remember thinking, that's the that's the cap. That's the yeah. roof for me as a barista. I can't make more coffee for more people. That's yeah. it. Yep. So how the fuck can I make more coffee for more people for a better price? And that is when I went, I need to become a roaster. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Right? So yep. every bag of coffee, every kilo of coffee is like approximately 100 cups of coffee. Yep. And I can roast on this little roaster five kilos at a time. I can make 500 cups of coffee, approximately, better to. Better to say, I can be involved in, I can impact 500 cups of coffee yeah. every 15 minutes. Well, you, you source your beans too. Like, you you go from, the only thing you don't do is dry the fucking beans out. We don't grow them. We work with the growers yeah. Um, but we don't do that. Yeah. We Let's receive samples from people. Yeah. And we decide whether or not whether or not we like what they're working on and the way that they do it. And explain we, while we're on that topic. Explain. Okay. Okay. Coffee starts as a coffee tree. Mm. How coffee. does it get to in your cup? Oh fuck, man! How Off long we, we go. Got? Off right. we go. Okay. I'm just so gonna get in the beer. Poor your listeners. Your poor listeners. Why are you subjecting? I've them only to got this? seven of them. <laughs> Oh, and I'm one, I'm one, so it's only six. <laughs> really? So coffee is a fruit. A lot of us probably don't realise that. It's a little red cherry. Inside each cherry lives two seeds. And they face each other. That's, that's why one side of a coffee bean is flat, because they face each other inside the coffee cherry. Now... There is a whole stack of processing. So obviously me as a roaster, I can't roast fruit. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So there's a whole bunch of processes that go into removing that fruit and getting, thank you, sir, getting that coffee down to a dry state so that I can roast it. 
So the coffee fruit is harvested. A coffee farmer, when we talk about oh the farmer, when we talk about the farmer, the farmer typically does, is in control of two parts of the process. They look after the health of the trees, which means fertilising and all that sort of thing, and they look after the way that the coffee is harvested. Coffee needs to be selectively harvested. The fruit ripens at different states, uh, different stages. Depending sorry. on? Oh, just depending on the weather oh, of the day, yeah, okay. a bajillion yep. things like how much sun, how much sun that um, that tree gets, how much sun the branch gets, and and what makes that coffee ripen faster. So coffee needs to be selectively harvested. You literally go down to the tree and you pick only the ripe cherries off. It is unbelievably labour-intensive work to harvest coffee. I've done it once, I've spent one single day in my life harvesting coffee and that was enough because it fucking sucked. <laughs> it's on like a steep, steep slope that you can barely stand on. You need to harvest, you know, like 50 kilos at a time to make it worth walking up to the trees. Yeah. It's hard ass work. So farmers, goddamn, those guys are fucking legit. From there, it gets sold usually to a mill. And the mill's job is to remove all the fruit. Yeah, okay. So the farmer will typically sell the coffee cherries to the mill, and then the mill will own those coffee cherries, which they will go through the process of removing the fruit and then fermenting it. So coffee, that's right, yeah. A lot of us yep. don't really know that our coffee fermented just like an ancient sort of style of wine. Yeah, like, okay. Uh, like a natural fermentation. Uh, yeah, and there's a few different ways to do that too. There is a bajillion different ways to do that. What's so, the top three? Uh, look, there are three main methods for drying coffee. Yep. So the coffee goes through a machine that pulls all the skin off. Yeah. And then you put it into a bath with some water mm. and then you let it sit. What so, is that? I don't know. Someone's going ham. Somebody's in the roof doing the aircons maybe that's probably what's happening <laughs> yeah the coffee skin the coffee skins are removed it goes into a bath and it goes into a bath where it starts to ferment mm -hmm. this is called the wash method excuse me the wash method this will give you really clean flavours but you'll lack a little bit of body yep alternatively you can dry the coffee cherries like a sultana which is kind of cool yeah right you dry them out on a concrete bed and they will lose some of their clarity yep. but they will be much more intense in flavour Yep. so that's called the natural method yep. from there once the coffee is has gone through the mill yep. it is passed on to an exporter an exporter will manage the process of getting the coffee out of the country the exporter knows importers so they'll go I know that this coffee from let's say Uganda will work really, really well with some importers I work with in Melbourne. Yep. And the guys in Melbourne will go, I've got a bunch of roasters that I know that I can sell this to. So there's a whole global trade for coffee. Now, one of the most like thrown around uh, facts about coffee, which isn't, I don't think technically true, mm. um, is that coffee is the most traded commodity on earth and outside it doesn't, of oil. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Um, but. Fuck it, it sounds cool. It's believable. It's borderline it's, believable. It's believable. Um, we'll finish off the other two methods and then go into how coffee sort of doesn't 
um, the economy doesn't affect it that badly. So the three main methods, so there's the wash method. Which what you just explained. Then there's the natural method where the coffees are dried out like a sultana. Yep. And then you have a version of kind of a bit of A and a bit of B. Yeah, okay. Where the coffee fruit is taken off and it's still sticky. The seeds are mm. still sticky like... Um, some fucking sticky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I licked the lolly and put it on the yeah. table. Uh, yeah. And those are dried out in the sun too. This yep. is called the pulp natural method. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of can be really good, but it can be... Sometimes it's called the honey process method. So it can, okay. it can give you really bold flavours, but it can also taste really rubbish. Yeah, okay. Yep. So n- washed coffees. If you ever hear of a coffee being washed... It means it was fermented in water and the, the skins were removed and all the sugar was taken away, basically limiting the amount of fermentation that kind of comes in contact with mm-hmm. the coffee seed. Yep. Then that coffee is dried out in the sun. That will give you the sort of like cleanest, most crisp, fresh acidity at the cost, cost of some body. Yep. It won't feel as big in your mouth. So, for coffee snobs, the wash method is probably like the premier way to drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there are coffee companies out there that exclusively deal in washed coffee. Yep. That's all well and good, but a stack of us out there like our coffee to have some serious weight to it as well. Yep. That's where the natural method comes in. Okay. Whenever we talk about coffee from Italy, Almost all of it has been processed naturally, from Brazil almost exclusively. When you're tasting an Italian roast or an Italian style, it's a coffee from Brazil and it has been processed using the natural method. Yep. And that is because in Italy, there was uh, legislation that said that you could only charge a euro for an espresso. Okay. So... The only way that cafe owners were ever able to make any money was to buy basically the lowest grade coffee available on the market. Yeah, okay. So, the Italian flavour is actually, in the coffee industry, sort of a little bit of a defect. Yeah, right. Like, these are all of the coffee beans left over after production is finished. Yeah, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, so... I don't want to name any coffee roasting brands, but no. yeah, that's, wow. that's kind of what's happening. And the so natural the natural method, method is, is easy to do. You pick the coffee cherries and you lay them out on a big slab of cement and you let them dry in the sun. That's it. Yep. But, and there's a, there's a guy that like turns them by hand. Most, yeah, most well, of I mean, you don't have to have that. No, but, but most, if you want to make a yeah. really high quality, clean, natural processed coffee, yep. you need somebody that walks past and rakes it and turns that thin carpet of coffee cherries yep. turns them constantly if you don't do that then they are going to go mouldy and yep. you're going to get these real off-putting flavours now when I was in Kenya I got a chance to go to the Kenyan Coffee Exchange at the Kenyan Coffee Exchange it is the auction uh, house for right. all of the coffee coming out of Kenya yep. and so on any given day you can go in and you can see maybe a hundred samples of various size producers around the around the area yeah and there are coffees on that 
in that this room is crazy it's just like this massive long corridor of a million little samples of coffee from a million little farms and some of them are incredible they they smell like blueberries and then some of them smell like actual chicken poo <laughs> so it's this crazy bizarre like when we think about the coffee industry that is the kind of the breadth of what you're dealing with coffee that is so fucking disgusting that you would pay good money to never drink it mm. and then there's coffee that is some of the best in the world sitting right next to it yep and that's what exporters do they go through and they work out where they're going to place that yeah right. pretty exciting I think yeah probably one of 2,000 people in the world <laughs> that think that's interesting <laughs> there's people that do there's a, there's a fair few of people mm. that like I know that will absolutely froth this podcast Hope so. Yeah, co- proper coffee snobs. Mm. Yeah, you're running behind on that. Whoa. I am behind. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, where did I want to go with that? Oh, I know what it was. It was Brazilian coffee originating from Brazil. Uh, from Ethiopia, I mean. Was Is it Ethiopia? Yeah. Or so, Africa in general? Yeah, and okay, Bra- so yeah, explain that. Coffee is supposed to be uh, native originally from Ethiopia. There's some contention about exactly where in Ethiopia, and some people think it's from Yemen too, um, but the consensus is mostly from a region called Yergeshef in Ethiopia. Uh-huh. This is where coffee comes from. So when you're drinking coffee, so you may see Yergeshef on coffee bags. What the yeah. fuck does that mean? Well, it's a region from Ethiopia. And if you can imagine coffee... Uh, evolved here in this region yep so when you go to a coffee plantation or a coffee growing area like this the coffee trees look different and that's because there's this genetic diversity yep in that area there are tall trees and short trees and fat ones and skinny ones there are ones that are really bushy and ones that just look really fucking sickly we call all so if you went to Brazil you could see almost the exact opposite almost yeah. a monoculture now for instance there are plantations that i deal with and have been working with for a really long time one of the varietals they use is called mondo novo now in ethiopia we have a varietal called heirloom ethiopian which basically means we don't know what the fuck is in here because we haven't had a chance to categorize it all yet there are a stack of varietals like when, when we think about why the fuck does coffee taste like this a lot of people think that it is to do with where it's grown and I think it probably has more to do with the tree's varietal how does this tree this specific species of tree just like with fish how does this specific tree put different chemical compounds into its seeds yeah well it have to do with the soil it's in and all that sort of stuff or not really well like the soil like what's available sure but yeah I suppose but yep. probably more to do with well, why does itself. this tree pick up boron more than other trees as an example yep why does this tree thrive better in acidic environments as opposed to this varietal yep um I've been thinking about sort of like parallels to draw between coffee and, and fish and there is a fuckload I think actually like different fish like completely different uh, environments. The yep. same thing goes for different species of coffee tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, so coffee in Brazil originated from 
Ethiopia. So when you're having coffee from Ethiopia, you are getting this genetic, this biodiversity of, of genetic material that is yep. just so fucking interesting. That's part of the reason why it tastes so crazy. So Ethiopia is like one species of tree? Mm. Well, historically, no. No, no. It's, so Ethiopia is obviously the, the country, the species of tree. Okay, so we have coffea is the, the umbrella that includes all coffee species. Right. Coffea. And then underneath that we have Arabica, which everybody knows. Oh. oh. Right. And then we have Robusta, which a lot of people have heard of. Yes. And a little known varietal called Liberica. Within Arabica, we have a fuckload of varietals. We have Tipica, we have Katura, Catawai, Mondo Novo, Bobon, and then Bobon can be three different varietals there's red yellow and orange bobons we have geisha we have um i can't even think of any more off the top of my head there's um, yeah okay uh, there are stacks of different varietals and then there's a whole bunch of varietals where okay so arabica is the better tasting of the two varieties of the two sort of subspecies arabica and robusta yeah right okay so you're saying coffea is like all coffee so like it's the family yeah and then you've got your genus is your arabica robusta rah, 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 uh-huh. and then you've got species under that I think if I could be wrong I think technically and you might know better than I do technically cafea coffea is the genus then arabica and robusta are the species and then varietals I could be completely like subspecies something be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not I'm not really sure that. how to categorize it but I understand that that's yeah. how they sort of yeah, so okay. within within arabica varietals there are sort of cross pollinations with robusta okay so arabica is the <laughs> fucking rabbit hole this right? shit tell so you. arabica is the best better tasting varietal okay yeah it's cleaner it's sweeter it is more complex. Uh, it's not as bitter. It's it's just overall better tasting. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to grow. Robusta, on the other hand, grows like a fucking weed. It grows anywhere. It's very drought tolerant. It's disease resistant. It rocks. Yeah, okay. But it tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Robusta, and th- this is the thing, Robusta is often used as a filler to sort of cut your coffee blend. Robusta is a lot cheaper because it doesn't oh, yeah. doesn't yep. take as much effort to grow it. So you're, you're mixing varietal beans from different varietals to make your blend. Yeah. And you cut in Robusta to make your, at the end of the day, your bag of coffee cheaper to buy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So Arabica is typically grown at a pretty high elevation. We're looking... Look, any coffee that is pretty decent tasting is probably above 1,200 metres above sea level. Okay. So that doesn't give a lot of space on earth to grow it because it's all up a fucking mountain. (laughs) And you can't, like, we don't, we have a limited amount of mountain space that you can grow coffee on. Yep. So, and that's one of the things that's kind of scary about, like, global warming and shit like that. As temperatures sort of rise, we get less and less space to grow coffee on that's going to make it taste great. So, Robusta is typically grown at lower elevations. Yep. And potentially why it tastes so gross. Now, I've done a little bit of research into trying to find, okay, what happens if you go grow Robusta 
in the same conditions that you grow Arabica, can it taste good? No, yeah, right. it basically doesn't. Like, wouldn't that be great if you had That'd a amazing a disease resistant, drought tolerant tree that produced something that tasted amazing? And it's not that simple. You kind of have to you have to splice the rootstock of a robusta tree with you've got to graft it with a, an arabica tree as well. But there's a whole bunch of varietals where they, they the people that breed coffee trees, I don't yeah. know what the fuck they're called. I should know that. <laughs> there's a whole bunch right of now. there's a whole bunch of species or varietals that are across across between robusta and liberica and arabica. Yep. There's a whole bunch of them. The idea being to try to make this super Super good tasting coffee with a super disease resistant, drought tolerant tree. Yep. Um, yeah, that's how. That's what robusta means when you see it on a bottle of like. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I remember. I, I like. I acknowledged seeing those names, uh-huh. but I never questioned what the fuck they were. Mm. That's pretty interesting. Robusta tastes like a burning tire. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how you roast it, it sucks. It sucks. I wish that it was good because it's cheap. <laughs> I wish that it tasted great. That would make my job fucking a lot easier. So but it's not. Why does Brazil have so many varietals? Why so, does Ethiopia have so many varietals? Oh, well, didn't... Um, yes. I mean, I remember you telling me that you can have a Brazilian coffee. Uh-huh. And then you can have another Brazilian coffee and they're completely different because... Varietal varietal but wet so originated from Brazil originated, originated from, from Ethiopia. Ethiopia sorry I keep saying Brazil um, how did coffee get to Brazil so obviously did, was there like the Spanish border yeah, over totally. and exactly that just Spanish yeah. or was there like other influences well I mean nowadays there's a whole like if you think back okay so coffee roasters used to be like before World War One, probably there used to be a coffee roaster in every town just like there was a greengrocer and a butcher that was a, 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 th- a thing before we sort of industrialised the way that we make food. Mm. And we have companies like Nestle now that process coffee on these crazy, uh, these crazy scale. Yep. So, yeah, probably originally the Spanish brought over a bunch of varietals okay. that they didn't ever bother. Is there a species of coffee in Brazil? Mm-hmm that are unique to Brazil after like over time it's just like there's cross pollination between trees and shit yeah I don't actually know the answer to that yeah so so Brazil Brazil is the largest producer of coffee in the world they produce uh, metric fuckland like a a salt they they produce more coffee than the next largest producer by like a factor of two and a half Jesus they produce so much fucking coffee it's amazing yeah, wow. There was actually legislation that limited the amount of coffee that Brazil was allowed to release onto the market because if re- Brazil had a bumper crop and they released all of their stock onto the market, that would basically drop everybody in the world that grew coffee immediately into poverty. <laughs> like, really? Holy fuck. Like, can you imagine? Like, That's a lot of fun. You're a, you're a little grower in Guatemala and it's like, oh, Brazil's had a great year. You're like, well, I'm fucked. Yeah, <laughs> right. The price falls through the floor. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you know how much coffee either is consumed by the consumer or is produced in a year? 
or anything? Like, I don't actually know. Is there stats for that? That's definitely. It'll be fucking pull tons. that up, Jamie. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Jamie's on it. Um, right. So we've gone to that. Now, let's talk about roasting the coffee. So you've got mm. the, you've got the green beans in a bag in your. What, is, what do you call it? Roastery. It's a roastery. It's, a roastery. Yeah. it's like a brewery, but roastery. a roastery. <laughs> so you got your bag of coffee beans, you put them in your roaster. Yeah. What determines, so obviously how you roast a coffee has a massive influence on what Ooh, it tastes like. this is intellectual yeah, property. Yeah. We're straight. No, I'll fucking talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to go into too much detail. No. But just, so, just outline what, without fucking yourself. No, it's not, it's not rocket science. Like, it's not, like, turning coffee from green to brown is not super hard to do there's a few rules that you kind of got to follow but basically there's a few things there's there's two main things that you need to pay attention to one is how hot the coffee beans get how much coffee yeah i just saw your eye your, your eyes just like Fuck. i just got single stats from countries here right okay oh it's fucking wikipedia it could be completely yeah, wrong it's probably wrong it's probably definitely wrong i'm not gonna read that <laughs> no i'll just read the top three um, based on Wikipedia, which is, yeah. Brazil. Brazil. 2,652 metric tons of coffee beans a year. So just stop for two seconds and consider that it takes one cherry to make two seeds. <laughs> right? That's a fucking lot of coffee. That man. is so much work. Two million tons. Like, wow. And then Vietnam? Yeah. 1.65 A lot of robusta in Vietnam. Righto. So if you think like your, your, your Nescafe Columbia, gold... Columbia, which is only 810,000 tons. I thought that would have like, heaps. Yeah, it's still a lot of coffee. But I mean, like, I feel like that is I don't know like, if I'd want to pick all that. <laughs> Definitely. Like, so... Like, when you look at your... Look, instant coffee is what it is. I'm not... I don't want to slag any instant... Co- the, the fact that instant coffee can be so consistent in its, it's flavor. It's a whole different drink. Freaks me the fuck out. Tastes like It's ass. kind of amazing, right? Yeah, it's kind it's of amazing. Sh- yeah, yeah, but it's consistently tastes like, like shit, like, yeah. Like, it never changes. Well, How does that happen when we have this product that changes year out? How the fuck do they do that? Yeah. So, a lot of the coffee that goes into things like Nescafe and whatnot is Robusta. Um, yeah. The yeah, process right. of making instant coffee is bloody fascinating too fucking hate instant coffee kind of interesting though nah nah it is I reckon instant coffee always reminds me of freeze dried isn't it yeah it's freeze dried but if you freeze dry coffee it would literally be a powder that looks like bicarb well how's it dissolvable do you know this stuff I know a little bit about this but when you ask a question like that makes me feel like you know a lot about it I don't know a lot about it (laughs) okay I'm full of loaded questions but I know fuck all about coffee well now I can talk shit knowing that you don't know anything about it. <laughs> you can go, oh, fuck, sounds like this is what you're talking about. I don't know what we're talking about. So, instant coffee, if you freeze, my fiance's family own a freeze drying facility. And as one of the things that they did one day was they literally stuck a cup of coffee in one of their giant industrial freeze dryers. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, so a cup co- of coffee, a cup of coffee is like 99% water. So, if you suck all the water out, what the fuck's left? Well, basically, a very thin coating of powder inside the cup when they open their industrial freeze dryer back up again. This tiny, like, brown film so is, inside the coffee cup, and that was it. Is coffee 
like instant coffee brewed before. Yeah. So it's pre-brewed. So instant coffee's brewed and then it's sprayed into a vacuum chamber, which sucks all of the moisture out of it. And then what? So it's a vertical, a giant vertical. This is one of the ways to do it. Giant vertical fucking tower that's under a vacuum. It's got no air in it. Yeah. And they spray coffee into it. Liquid brewed coffee. Liquid brewed coffee. They spray the liquid brewed coffee. Mm. And as it falls down this vertical chamber, it's losing moisture as it rains down. And what ends up at the bottom, splattering to the bottom of this chamber. Is those granules? Is a powder. Oh. Right? Okay. So to make the granules though, because coffee doesn't naturally do that, you've got to add other shit to it. To make it yes, it's into like a, granule, a granulated powder. It's filth, man. And part of the reason, part of a, one of the flavors that I always notice in instant coffee is like corn. And I hope, I, I probably have just ruined instant coffee for all seven of your listeners. I hope so, because <laughs> fuck, it's shit. It tastes like corn, and part of me wonders if that's because there is like some kind of stabilizer. Like that a is used or, or a starchy thing to make it into yeah. those like neat looking little f- granules when mm. really it should just be like a, a super 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 fine powder yeah see fuck that stop drinking the shit people yeah don't drink I'm not even coffee. plugging my own shit but just stop drinking that shit <laughs> don't drink instant it's not good <laughs> um, back on track. roasting we're roasting talking we're talking roasting, about roasting. Yeah, so cool. what in a roast influences the flavour so how long the coffee spends inside the roaster and how hot it gets. And there's not much variation in those two. Well, yeah. Like, no, I mean, like, to change, to, like, a degree makes a, a lot of difference. A degree yeah, of temperature, sure. a, a minute of duration makes oh, a, a lot of difference. A, mass, a minute is an eternity in roasting. Yeah, okay. Um, like, if, like, I would probably start at, like, 15 seconds. Let's give it 15 seconds more mm. and see what that does. And then that would be the difference between something that's, like, yeah, that's pretty good to something that's like, fuck, that's awesome. 15 seconds. Not even less. Less than 15 seconds. Yeah. That's insane. Like, we could roast the exact same batch where it gets to the same temperature and then we run one 15 seconds longer and it could be amazing. And it could, or it could be trash. And totally you will taste the difference. Probably, yeah. Yeah, right. And then time. So, so you got to find... Yeah, so you, you drew it up on a graph for me the other day, which made complete sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you need to find a, like a perfect little medium. I don't know. I can't think of an example that I can sort of give you a parallel to this. Like, I think about colour a lot, maybe. Fuck. Somebody once told me that they think about roasts in terms of colour. That's weird. But if we imagine colour on a graph, you mm. could be like, I'm going to try to pull more of the blue out or more of the green out or something like that. Like, I try to pull different compounds and make them more visible. Fuck, that sounds like such a retarded way to talk about something that you don't it see. Sounds, it sounds <laughs> weird, but I kind of get what you mean. So, when in coffee, your coffee bean has compounds in it. Fuck, mm. here's a good place to talk about perception. Here's a, so, how the fuck? How does taste work? Do you know how taste works? Not really. Taste is... God damn interesting. Like, so beers taste good. We beers tasting really We're nearly good. Right out. I'm going to have to go over the road and get a six pack. We we have five ways that we interact with the world around us. We have our ears, we have our eyes, we have our nose, we have our mouth, and we have our skin. What about Those, the feels, man? The, 
that's where the feels come from your skin <laughs> right no but like the the, the hypothetical feel, the metaphorical feels you know well this is not an area that I'm <laughs> well versed in because I'm actually just a robot <laughs> yeah you're a heartless motherfucker <laughs> no continue sorry <laughs> god damn it I was on a roll I was you pra- were I too I practiced this part in front of a mirror before I did you really no <laughs> ew <laughs> that's fucked up Perception is fucking interesting. We we interact with the world around us through our eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and our skin. That's yeah. kind of it. I mean, if you want to talk about the feels and sure, talk no, about the feels, leave the, feel, leave the feels out. Man. Leave the feels out. Okay, so that is kind of all that we have to interact with the world around us. When you smell something, right, a tiny little fragment of whatever the fuck it is that you're smelling lands on the inside of your nose. In our mouth, the organ that does tasting is called our tongue. Inside our nose, the organ that does smelling is called your olfactory epithelium. So a tiny little fragment lands on your olfactory, blah, blah, olfactory epithelium. Right? Mm. And this compound, whatever the fuck it is, will trigger a response. It will cause your olfactory epithelium to produce an electrical impulse. Almost like Morse code, right? So let's say you're eating an apple, right? And you take a bite of the apple and there's apple inside your mouth and you sort of exhale and you can smell the apple and a tiny little fragment of apple lands on your olfactory epithelium and it produces a Morse code that's like 001, like binary, right? And that shoots up into your brain and your brain goes, fuck, here is the code. A code is being sent to me, what does that mean? And it links with your eyes. Right? So we now have the apple in our hand, we have this crazy reaction going on inside of our nose, and we're looking at this goddamn apple in our hand, and we're like, okay, this thing means this response. This apple means this binary response. Yeah. No, no you're <laughs> I'm right. talking no, really loud. You're in, you're in I'm getting excited. I like it, do it. Keep hitting it. So we, I'm gonna adjust this. We have this crazy, crazy thing going on, we have this apple in our hand, and we're creating this memory. Yep, right? So when you see an apple, you can taste it? Right. right. Freaky. Freaky, freaky, freaky. So what happens inside your brain is it has this one thing, this Morse code that means basically nothing, until it gets linked to a memory. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Right? Okay. So it, it links to a memory. So all of a sudden, we link the memory of an apple to the Morse code 001. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the right. The binary code. And they link together. That link is probably not very strong. But over time, it gets stronger. Okay. So if you think about back through your whole life, you think back to like your lunchbox when you're in school, Mm. there was an apple there. You have been linking the- Fucking Nutella, bud. (laughs) Nutella. (laughs) That's shit. LCMs. Yeah. (laughs) You have been linking this electrical impulse that's being fired off by your mouth and by your nose to a memory your whole life. Mm. So now, let's talk about apple juice. Yeah, right. This is where shit gets really fucking weird. Let's say you had your eye- I feel like we are Joe Rogan. Really? Yeah. You're ready to light up, like spark one up. Are we on like, are we on like DMT? Is that allowed to? No, I'm not oh. allowed to. I'm at work. <laughs> I don't care. I haven't got any, but <laughs> it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Damn it, Jamie. Um, 
when you think about apple juice, this is where shit gets really fucking weird. Mm. If you were blindfolded and you got given a glass of apple juice, before you even tasted it, just the smell of it, straight away, without a shadow of a doubt, all seven of your listeners would know that that is apple apple juice. How the fuck do they know that? How does your brain know that? It's not solid. It doesn't even look like an apple. But the apple juice is giving off the same compounds which are landing on your olfactory epithelium and producing the Morse code response. So this is how somebody can have a good palate. They have practiced linking this Morse code to a memory. So when one of your mates or somebody that you know is swirling around a glass of wine, they're like, hmm, fuck, this smells like wine. Uh, It smells like fucking plums or white pepper. That is because that person has actively tried to link the, the code for white pepper with a memory. And so when that code oh, is yeah. present in other forms, this is just up. like the apple juice, mm. when that code is present in other forms, they can go, oh, this reminds me of white pepper or plums or cherries or whatever the fuck we're talking about. So this is what happens. Like, this is the thing that's really super fucking cool about perception and the way that we perceive flavour and the world around us is that you can get better at it. That, yeah. Well, I guess that's where, like, where food critics come from, where chefs totally. come from. Where They are constantly tasting, perceiving the world around them and desperately trying to create memories as quick as they can. That's basically what my qualification was about. That's what the Q Graders so license that like, was about. Was about so if being you, able to link yeah. memories and olfactory responses together so that you can pick them up at a moment's notice. Right. So if you hypothetically never tasted a cup of coffee, right? Uh-huh. And some dude give you three cups of coffee and you try one and you go, okay, that tastes good. And he's like, did you taste the chocolate? Did you taste the... The, it doesn't have to be coffee it can be food doesn't matter sure but did you did you taste that do you link him telling you that to yourself telling you that so Look, like are these the memories the memories that form are probably do I, no, um, yeah like what I'm trying to say is like so you tell me that's a well rounded cup of coffee right it's because you've told me is my perception of that cup of coffee a well-rounded cup of coffee. So then when I taste a coffee that tastes similar, I'll be like, oh, that's a well-rounded cup of coffee. Not because I organically came up with it. Well, it's because you told me, and that's the memory. So, okay. Fucking rabbit hole. So when it comes to being, uh, communicating what we're experiencing, there, it, there is useful to have a guide, okay? Mm. Like, so when it comes to coffee, people ask me, what is your favorite cup? What is your favorite cup of coffee? And I think what they're asking is, do you like lattes, cappuccinos, long blacks? And my answer is, well, I get really excited about anything that is balanced in flavor because that's really hard to produce in nature. Yeah, okay. And people are like, "Eh, I just wanted to know what coffee you drink. But you think about that, like there are a few things going on when we taste we have sweetness, sourness, saltiness, bitterness, and umami. What is um, umami? Umami is uh, savouriness. If you yeah, ever yeah, have like, I know what you mean. 
if you ever get a chance to have like raw MSG by itself, that's basically umami. <laughs> right. Raw MSG, say what you want about it, it's fucking great. Yeah, it's not even bad here. It's just this thing that people ran with for a while. Probably. Sweetness, sourness, saltiness, bitterness, and umami. And if my coffee balances all of those things, then that's pretty fucking crazy. How the fuck did that happen? We have this fruit grown on the other side of the world that was picked by some usually unknown person. It was dried out in the sun and fermented for a little bit. It was shipped halfway around, around the world. It was thrown in this crazy machine that blasts it with crazy hot air. And then finally, we toss it into this other machine after smashing it into a million pieces. Then we pour scalding hot water over it. And then the drink that comes out of it is balanced what the well, fuck? When you, when you put it like that, that's pretty full on. If a coffee can do that for me, holy shit. That's fucking Next exciting. That, I feel like that'd be hard to do. I feel like you'd be hard to impress. I'm pretty hard to impress. With a cup of coffee. Yeah. In general. Well, that's probably in the same way when it comes to you thinking about fishing, right? Like, yeah. you, you, I would be happy to catch a fish. <laughs> yeah. Any fish, don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'd be stoked to do that. But you would be thinking about the placement of the lure the colour of the lure everything what yeah. psyche stage of its day is that yep. fish in to be in this position yeah yeah well I've been chasing barra for the last like month and a half with a friend uh-huh. and haven't really cracked it yet but seen heaps on the sounder and I come home and I'm oh, like God, that, damn, that must be frustrating way frustrating and they're massive yeah and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like I come home I'm like yeah that was sick like uh-huh. I had a fat day because I learnt heaps about all of the other variables like putting the fish on the deck like that's mm-hmm. the last step in sure. the process yeah it's weird that's, it's very relatable so when I think about cooking yeah cooking fish cooking anything those are the things I'm trying to balance I get really excited about like it's all well and good to add a fuckload of salt but maybe if you toss a Love little salt. bit of lemon on it holy shit we've got something that is now becoming complex toss a yeah. little bit of umami with like fish sauce like you know the, um, the fish sauce yeah. toss a little bit of that on it fuck we've got something a little bit of sugar oh my god we've got something that's gone crazy now it mm. was originally just a bit of meat is now yeah, a little right. bit salty a little bit acidic yeah. there's some how do you achieve that in coffee how do we achieve that in coffee we or like the best way to get close to it some that. coffee trees will load different compounds into its fruit this, is, this comes back to the sort of varietal discussion. Yep. Some coffee trees will put more acid. Some coffee trees will put more sugar into their seed, which gives me more stuff to work with as a roaster. So yep. as a roaster, the thing I'm really excited about is that there's the whole scientific side of things, measuring mm. degrees and time and all that sort of thing. But then there's like this artistic craft. I get the opportunity to display this coffee a certain way. What do I, what potential do I see in this coffee? And how do I want to showcase that? This coffee from Brazil doesn't have a stack of acidity, but it has a fuckload of weighty body. How can I show that off and also maybe balance the acidity that it does have with Mm -hmm. its body? Yep. This coffee is from Kenya. It's very acidic, but it has this sort of really delicate sweetness underneath it. Yep. How can I showcase those compounds, you know, with the, the skill that I have? That's kind of what I'm trying to do. That every degree, every minute is trying to pull on a thread. Can I get a bit more sweetness? Mm. Can I get a bit more balance? That makes sense. 
That's crazy. Yeah, we're gonna have to go get some more beers, man. More beers. Well, we're back. Got some beers. They're actually fucking beers. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I got took. I was like, hey, because we're we're both driving, and I was like, well, oh, is there any mid-strength beers there that are like sort of crafty? She's like, oh yeah, these ones are cool. Um, yeah, there was an eight pack for sixteen dollars, but they're small beers, so I thought, oh, value for money, it's not too bad, and they're pretty fucking shit. Um, which, yeah, I don't yeah, know. not awesome, not awesome. <laughs> They're fucking alcohol and their beer, so it's close. Totally. Um, better than your homebrew or worse? Uh, yeah, better. Homebrew's <laughs> pretty shit. <laughs> I was super excited about it. I and know, then, I, and then I was being more objective about it, and I was like, yeah, look, it's not. It'll good. come good. It'll come good. Yeah. Um, Q, so I put a Q&A story up while we've been talking, just on my storyline. I did. Did you? Put a Q&A story up. Um... I had a question from someone. So um, we were talking about flavors and stuff mm-hmm. and how you, because I've spoken to this person about it, how you, um, like, I guess, just basically elaborate on the flavors. Like, how do you... Tasting is, tasting takes practice. And you, yeah. need, and you need, like, a, a, form, a framework. You need mm. a framework to understand the way that you taste. Yep. Just kind of like composition, just like composition, right? Yep. So, okay. Sweetness, sourness, saltiness, bitterness, and umami. Those mm-hmm. are things that we can pay attention to. Yep. And then the other thing that we can think about are textures. Yeah. So, so flavours. Okay, so let's talk got... about these beers. We we're just talking about them and how how shit one is and how decent the other one is. Okay. Yeah. Well, I said peppery, and then you said dry. Right. Okay. So, okay, we've. It's really hard to taste something in a vacuum by itself. We taste something and then we go, mm, it, it tastes okay. But yep. then we do something to it and we go, oh, that's way better. Or, in most cases, worse. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Basically. So, for instance, okay, so let's look at these two beers. We've got two beers. We've got one beer that is weighty. It has weight. It has body. It has texture. Right? The texture mm. is... And so let's think about texture. In my mind, I'm tasting this beer and I'm like, what's the texture like? Is it very light and thin and dry or is it weighty, syrupy, viscous? Mm, and that's the latter. Okay, well, it's in comparison to this new light beer that we have, yeah. it's definitely weighty and syrupy and viscous mm. in comparison to it. You know, and, and none of these things are bad. I was just thinking before about, you know, like your favorite coffee being balanced, sure. I love balanced food. I love. I, I always try to seek balance in the food that I'm cooking, except when I'm not. Because like, how fucking good are fish and chips? Like, it's just salt. That's it. It's just salt. <laughs> chips, fucking yeah. so good. Yeah. Salt and fat. Yeah. Fucking great. Get in my belly. Yeah, I feel like that right now. There's a burger shop next door. Yeah, there is. I know. I'm having one right after this. Are you really? I'm, I'm coming with you. I'm, I'm starving. I'm just gonna go get some bloody brisket. Yeah. So. It's like a decision tree. We is it heavy or is it light? Okay, well it's pretty heavy or it's light. Okay, it's light. Light like what? Is it acidic or is it sort of floral? Uh, no, it's kind of acidic. Okay, acidic. Like, and we keep going down this decision tree, and we probably I don't know if there is a parallax. I don't know fuck all about fishing. Mm. I know that they exist. Yep. Send a picture you, of one you done on well, your man. Instagram. Thanks. You're done well. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad I enlightened you, man. So we go down this sort of decision tree about which direction we feel like this thing's going, and we mm-hmm. just constantly make little adjustments to it. 
That's what tasting yeah. is about. Yeah, and yeah, I guess the same applies to everything. Cool. That sort of answers that one. Um, I'll bundle a couple up. The I guess there's no per- perfect, and probably not the right choice of words, but the best way to brew. So you've got your home espresso machine. Let's just go. Okay, I've got a pretty high end home espresso machine. Sure. And I've got a grinder. Uh-huh. I'll add the grinder in because then we'll go through the whole lot. Totally. I want to brew a fucking basically a perfect coffee. Whether I add milk to it or not, whatever. Sure. I just want that shot. Espresso is really pay. bloody hard to do. Espresso is yeah. really fucking hard. And I struggle with it every single day and I've been doing this professionally for forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Espresso is hard to do. But so there's, a few, there's a few little sort of hacks. Okay, so hypothetically Ooh, your roast yeah. is... Yes. Yes, hacks. Everybody <laughs> wants a hack in their life, don't they? Hypothetically, it's a good quality bean. Sure. Well, that's the first thing. Like, if you're buying rubbish coffee, we've talked about what rubbish coffee is. We've talked about how there are some varietals, like Robusta, that just taste shit no matter what you do to them. And there are some coffee roasting companies out there that don't give a fuck what part of the coffee bean they are showcasing. They just want it to taste brown, right? Provide like if you if you're working with coffee like that, then it's going to be hard to get something that you get really really excited yeah. about. Well, the people buying machines are probably going to be legit snobbish. You would hope so. Coffee notes, yeah. You'd hope so. Right. So provide. Let's let's assume that you're buying really well roasted coffee that's been treated with care. Mm-hmm. Then one of the hacks, one of the the little rules of thumb that I almost always use is a ratio of two to one okay what the fuck am i talking about the amount of ground coffee that you use should make you double that uh in espresso mm, yeah okay yeah okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I sort of get what you mean okay so here at freelance we use 20 grams of coffee in yep. every single basket Basket being the little jimmy that you put under the thing that the water goes through, like the yeah. little spoon, basically. Sure. <laughs> That's what it is. Spoon works. It's a spoon. This is a spoon, spoon with holes in the bottom. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> Coffee basket. Coffee basket. Some people call it a porta filter, mm-hmm. or just the handle. Yes. Yes. Coffee. <laughs> so here at Freelance, we use twenty grams. Your home espresso machine probably won't fit twenty grams of coffee in it. But by using a set of scales, like a proper bloody drug dealer, you can weigh the exact amount of coffee that you use. So you know, like if you've ever made a cup of coffee and you're like, fuck, that was good. And then you try to do it again tomorrow and you're like, yeah, it's just not the same. How much coffee is in one of those baskets? 20. It's, so, okay, so it's 20 a 20 gram basket. Time. Okay, so you, when you do it, like how you... So you come into freelance and you order mm. a flat white, mm. I'm going to put 20 grams of coffee in the basket mm. and that's going to make two espressos. Yep. Is packing it in like packing it in the basket the right yeah. thing to do? No, that's important to do. Okay. This is a neat little segue. I'm working on an online coffee class. <laughs> and I also have plug a... Plug your shit, man. Plug, plug shit. Plug, I'll plug... It's probably a bit late to be plugging. Everybody else is tuned out now. Nobody's <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> damn, I should have plugged it at the beginning. Yes, <laughs> damn, you fucked it up. I've got a YouTube channel... Go check it out. Just follow me on Instagram. It's probably the easiest way to do it. And at Ryan Tolman. At Ryan Tolman. That's right. But we're all. I'm also working an online coffee cl- uh, online coffee class. Mm-hmm. And 
tamping is really important. If we don't tamp, then we get all kinds of issues. Tamping is the, is the smushing of the coffee in the basket. It's the smushing of the coffee in the basket. That's really important. If we don't do it, we just get all kinds of like negative. <laughs> He's here. My, my boss has just turned up. He just lo- looked in the window at the podcast like, setup. Is like, it how you're doing fuck? it? Yeah. That's awesome. This morning. Sick. Um, by the way, don't come in. <laughs> He's here, but... Hey, Calvin's actually a really nice guy. Yeah, he's a um, Anyway, yes, so it, it's important. Why? So, well, tamping, tamping... They're really loud people. Yeah. Tamping is really important because it... If you're brewing espresso at home, you do need to tamp correctly because water is going to flow through the coffee bed. You want it to flow at an even rate. Mm-hmm. You think about every single coffee fragment that is in that basket. That... That all needs the same time in contact with fresh water. Yep. Every single fragment. And if there are any pockets of air or cracks or divots or any areas of less resistance, the water is going to travel through that area. Yep. Which is going to receive more water flow and become bitter faster. Yep. Because it's going to extract more. Yep. Makes sense. So tamping helps kind of mitigate you brewing an espresso that is kind of like sour and bitter at the same yeah. time. I know this, uh, this is a hard question to answer, but how hard are you packing that in there? Look, I, I don't really put a lot of weight behind okay. the tamper. It doesn't have to be heaps. You don't have to smash it in there. Like, just your body weight. Just a little bit of like, just a little bit of pressure. It doesn't have to be like you forcing just it in there. Yep. Just a little bit of a press will be okay. more than enough. Then what? So you put it in there, you put it in the machine. Well, you're using the same amount of coffee yep. to start off with. So we're 20 grams. A, we, we are removing a variable. We're using exactly 20 grams every single time. Or if your home espresso machine doesn't fit 20 grams in it, work out what it does fit. It might only be 14 grams. It might be fucking 10. Yep, so you Everybody's want, home espresso machine is going to be a little bit different. So you want 14 grams to produce how much liquid? So we double it. So you want 14 grams to produce 28 milliliters. 28 grams of espresso. Oh, so we're, Not we're weighing the yeah, liquid. Yeah, you've got to weigh the liquid too because espresso has foam on top. Yeah, right. And depending on how old your coffee is, you're going to get more or less foam. Yep. So the crema that sits on top of the coffee, on top mm. of your espresso, is because of carbon dioxide that's in the coffee seeds from when you roast. Yeah, right. Now, depending on how dark the roaster roasted the coffee is going to produce more carbon dioxide depending on the age of the coffee is going to produce more or less carbon dioxide well not produce but allow for degassing so it's really hard to measure espresso by volume mm-hmm. because it's just a phone yep as soon as it pours out of the cup that's all well and good but you look away for a second <laughs> that foam is going to condense just a little bit and they'll yep. be slightly less in the cup. So using a set of scales will remove another variable. Okay. So let's assume it's a home espresso machine. Let's say it's 14 grams. You now have doubled that. You have a 28 gram espresso. Yep. That process of brewing to receive your 20, 28 grams of espresso yep. should take 30 seconds. Right. So, yeah, okay. That makes sense. So we now have in the industry our recipe if you went into any cafe and gave them that recipe they would be able to produce the espresso that you make at home yep so 
in the industry we share this information that way. 28 grams in, oh sorry, 20 grams in, 40 grams out, 30 seconds. I would know how to brew that espresso. Mm -hmm. Tamping is important and distribution is important too. You want to remove, the water needs to flow through the coffee bed really evenly. Yeah, okay. Think about it like this maybe. Every single little fragment of coffee is brewing or cooking like baked potatoes. Roast potatoes aren't. So you've chopped up your potatoes, right? Tossed them in the tray. And before you put them in the oven, you shake the tray. Everybody does this. So that all of the potatoes are cooking evenly. They're not all yeah, piled not up to one out. side. Yeah, They're all yep. stuck in the center. The same thing has, has to happen for the granules of coffee yep. in the basket. You need to shake it so that the coffee's even yep. in the basket before tamping. That is, if you do those things, you're going to get a way cleaner, rounder, smoother tasting espresso. Yep. Um, check out my YouTube channel. There's a whole stack <laughs> of videos about this. Example. There actually is. Well, um, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll plug your fucking pages and uh, shit at the end. Because, um, yeah. We'll, we'll, God damn, it's hard to explain this sort of thing. It is. The video is actually... Visual. The, the visual. It's hard to do Well, that. the plunger is a good one. You like that one? Yeah, th that's a really good video. Can you... So there's obviously not everyone has a, a fucking flash okay, espresso so, machine. Okay. So if you're like if you're like fuck it, I want to I want great tasting coffee at home. Yep. But I don't want to shell out a couple of grand for mm. a, an espresso machine and a grinder. Yep. What should I get? Yep. There are two methods for brewing coffee that I think are fucking great. <laughs> there is the V60. It's made by a company called Hario. You should buy the two cup version. Yeah. Yep. The V60 is excellent. Yep. I really like the V60 because you can brew coffee for a bunch of people. Yeah. At family gatherings, I am always the one that ends up getting stuck it's a, brewing it's a press, coffee. Obviously, yeah. No, it's not a press. No, it's not a press. It's like a it's like an American style dripper. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. They're great for brewing bulk coffee for a bunch of people, mm -hmm. but you don't get a lot of control over the way that it brews. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a grinder, you kind of don't really get to control the flow rate. And this is where my favorite... So this is great for brewing bulk coffee for a bunch of people. Yep. And it's great if you have a grinder. But if you don't have a grinder and you just want to get excellent coffee just for yourself or maybe for one other person, yep. that's where the AeroPress comes in. They are goddamn the best... Uh, that's how I brew coffee on the weekends in an AeroPress. Yeah. It is the simplest way to brew coffee. Yep. If you don't have a grinder, you should have an AeroPress. Yep. If Which, you don't... Yeah. If you don't mind, if you don't have to brew coffee for lots of people, it should be an Aeropress. Aeropress is fucking amazing. It's so good. Yeah, well, I've had one for a little while now and yep. absolutely love it. We're actually going to be stocking them on the Flow State website. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm that impressed. That? And they're portable too. Yeah, they're plastic. Um, mm. They're really light. You can't break them um, like other ceramic things yeah. or glass or whatever. Yeah. So what, it, um, might as well explain what it is. Okay, so it's kind of like a big syringe. It's a bit like a plunger. Yeah but like a French press, but mm. it's been re-engineered by somebody who... Likes their coffee. <laughs> likes like someone coffee. like you. Yeah. They're a great little system for... It's going to sound like a fucking ad. I just yeah, love it's, them. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a product plug, but um, not necessarily. I like... I'm not plug, plugging product because I want to make money. I'm plugging product because it's fucking good. Couldn't agree more. Because people out there want... Like, everybody wants great coffee in their life. Yeah, like, and, and that's what they, what they determine as good coffee, you know, is up to them. Yeah. But everybody wants to feel like they, mm. everyone wants to 
fuck, if you are like me, your day doesn't start until you've had coffee. Oh man, I've, I drink unhealthy amounts and I drink, I'm drinking coffee at like 10 p.m. That's dangerous. <laughs> Real bad. And I still fall asleep like a baby. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't have like caffeine sensitivity, plus I don't sleep enough. Yeah, <laughs> so coffee doesn't do uh, fuck okay. all. The Probably the th- addicted. Headache by smoker time if I haven't had oh, coffee. Dude, I tried to go caffeine free for a weekend and How can you do that when you work at one of these places? You'd be <gasps> absorbing just... caffeine through your skin and your nose and Dude. Shit. I try to do it semi regularly, do like a detox, mm. just not have any. Fuck. Oh that. man, that's the worst. It's the worst come down. Probably worse than heroin. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Definitely. Oh, definitely is. Definitely worse definitely than heroin. Definitely worse than heroin. Sorry to all of your heroin addicted. <laughs> There's fucking not many. I don't know that sort of client base. Fucking hell. (laughs) Um, I I tried to detox off coffee one weekend and I was, we were driving to like a family thing. It's like 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning Mm. and I I haven't had any coffee for 24 hours Mm. and I'm like, I can't see properly. Yeah, it fucks you up. It's legit. It's like people don't understand how. Screaming headache. Screaming headache. I couldn't see properly. Yeah, brutal. It's I was savage. Like, Fuck, I shouldn't be driving. Yeah, it's it's fucking people don't un, like underestimate how actual savage it is. Mm. Yeah, but it's fucking amazing, and it's it's full of like antioxidants, antioxidants, and all sure. sorts of lovely it's stuff. It's probably a vegetable. It's basically it a used vegetable. to be a fruit. Yeah, it's basically it's, it's a party of two and five, it's a man. Fruit every day. It's party of two and five. <laughs> anyway, AeroPress is like the sleeve. Are great. Paper it's, filter, why? Okay, so paper filters are really fucking good because coffee. When it breaks, which is in the AeroPress, when you grind, Sorry, this doesn't make sense. Otherwise, I'll say that. Look, I hope that if anybody is still listening to this, they've at least brewed a cup of coffee in their life. I once. hope so. <laughs> so, when coffee grinds, when it kind of shatters, because mm. it's brittle, right? Mm. So we get these tiny little fragments. In the industry, we call them fines, tiny, almost microscopic fragments of coffee. Yep. that eventually will make its way through the brew and onto your tongue. If you're using something like a French press, like a plunger, it's going to make the coffee sort of taste a bit sort of dry and powdery, which makes sense because you actually have powder on yeah. your tongue. So paper filters are really, really good for this. So a paper filter is going to remove any of these tiny fragments and it's going to clean up the brew. It's going to make your brew feel richer Mm. and cleaner and less a lot of people will describe it as bitter but basically a dry powdery sensation on your tongue paper filters are fucking great for that they are so good for that Um, so the AeroPress kind of uses the method that is great for a plunger a plunger is great because if you don't have control over your grind size you can just let it brew for longer Yep. If you tasted a plunger coffee and you're like, hmm, it's a bit kind of sour and it's not very strong, well, the next one, you could just let it sit for longer. Right? Yeah. Just keep yep. letting it sitting for longer and longer yep. and longer well, until see, you're eventually like, hey, that's strong enough for me. A five-minute brew is where I like if it. If I've got time, I don't do the push thing. I don't press the... It's got like... It's basically two cylinders and one it's cylinder like fits a syringe. with a rubber boot. Yeah, and it fits inside the other. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what it is. Syringe pushing it through a paper filter. Sure. If I have the time, I just let it drip through the paper filter. Huh. And it's fucking delicious. Yeah, if I've got right. time, like, I want to get up. How long does that take? A little while, like maybe eight, ten minutes. Okay. Maybe ten minutes. 
Okay. Yeah, and then sometimes, like, if there's if I'm impatient, there's like a half or a third of it left. I just push it through uh-huh. with the press. Um, but yeah, to completely changes the I don't know the intensity of it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's delicious. I mean, um, yeah. So where were we going to that? Aeropresses oh. are awesome. Yeah. If you're brewing coffee at home, and did you want to talk great. about? Oh, oh. We'll just pause hey, this. Mate. Boss man's in. How you doing? <laughs> Have you been to the gym? Right, we're back. Ron just uh, got a roasting off his boss. Barely. Oh. As if. You're walking, in, you're walking around with serving people with like holes in your pants, man. Yeah, I was picking up a coffee machine and then I was putting it down, you know, being like aware of my lumbar spine. And correct posture. <laughs> and correct posture. And, you know, you've got to hinge back and I just... The ass out of my pants. <laughs> Shit, <is> that's <laughs> crook. <laughs> it's like in hospitality, you don't want to be walking around with arseless chaps. Arseless chaps. I mean, it's probably probably a niche market there. There definitely is. It sounds like you're experiencing that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about um, uh, little tips and tricks, correct ways to brew. Yeah. So most, I know, like espresso machines in people's houses probably there are not a lot of people that, that sure. do it that way um, the next step down obviously would be well we spoke about AeroPress the next step down would probably be French Press French Press is an excellent way to brew coffee at home but there's a few things that kind of fuck it up I love a French Press because you can basically pick them up from we have them on mobile I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even fucking halfway through this it's like a shit taste 200ml can no. 330ml cans we're going to be able to drive. We're going to have to go have a big feed. I'm so hungry too. Yeah. <laughs> right oh, up. mate, that's full. God damn. You're still full. Uh-huh. Yeah, but even though it's shit, you still got to, you know. I'm still battling a hangover from Friday. <laughs> I'd get a solid. Growing up life. Yeah. <laughs> um, Plunders are great. Yes. Like, the French press is great because you can pick them up for a couple of bucks from, like, Target or bloody Safeway even yeah. has them. Yeah, so we're talking about basically normally they're mostly glass they've got a mesh totally they've got a shaft and a mesh thing on the bottom shaft <laughs> see I told you you're in that niche market no, niche market so they're awesome because they're cheap and they can make great coffee but there's a few things that kind of fuck with them I was talking about fines before you know these tiny little fragments that make their way through the filter and into your brew and so with a plunger because the mesh is so massive the holes are really big you can fit a lot of fragments through it that really can mess with the texture of your brew so there's a couple of things you can do when you the ratio the recipe that you use to brew your coffee is for filter like a french press is 16 what is it 60 grams to a liter so if you're making one coffee a coffee for yourself you can use about 15 grams of coffee and it's going to make a 250 gram drink. Yeah. Which is okay, a pretty I've... decent sized mug of coffee. Yep. So yeah, it's right. a bit less than espresso. It's not as strong. Mm-hmm. The thing that fucks that up, well, one of the things it can do to sort of stop the coffee being too powdery and dry and sort of just like dry on your tongue is by stirring it. So you toss your ground coffee into the plunger mm-hmm. boiling water or water that's just off the boil on top give it a stir that's going to sort of release any of the little fragments and hopefully they sink to the bottom 
Yeah, okay, because they're caught in bubbles and shit or what? Is that what totally. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So once you've done that, you've stirred it, you've used the right amount of coffee, you've used the right amount of water, you've given it a good stir, you let it brew for a period of time, a period of time that you enjoy. Roughly well, three, three to, to five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. Three to five minutes. If you like your coffee a little bit sort of less strong, three mm-hmm. minutes, more strong, five minutes. Yep. When you press the plunger, you're going to do it really, really slowly. Yep. Because you don't want to sort of like force those fragments through the filter. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when you get to the bottom, you want to leave like a gap, call it a centimeter between the, the mesh and the sort of sludge that forms at the bottom. the bottom. You don't want to smash it all the way into that. Obviously, Because same it's going to pass through the filter and back into your drink. Mm-hmm. It basically defeats the purpose of yep. using a filter in the first place. Yep. When you tip the drink, finally, you want to tip it into a carafe. Like, if, let's say, you were brewing a litre, you scaled up your recipe and you brewed a litre to last you all day... Mm-hmm. And you're tipping it into a craft, or maybe it's just into What's your a craft? cup, like just like a, like a big jug, big jug, just or a, like a what are they called? Fucking thermos. Oh this yeah, yeah. Heck, it's a thermos. Is that pretty good? You set all day with hot hot coffee. Yep. Tip into a thermos or your cup. You don't want to tip the whole brew out. You don't want to empty the entire plunger out. You want to leave like a little bit of brew. Yep. Coffee at the bottom, brewed coffee at the bottom, because that. Um, mostly contains these this sludge, these coffee fines. Mostly contains that anyway, so you can sort of m- mitigate that going into your drink and then eventually onto your tongue by mm-hmm. reserving some of the bottom part of that brew by not tipping it all out. Yep, that's going to make your plunger coffee way sweeter, cleaner, and just overall. Yep, and you can cold brew that too. Yeah, just toss that straight in the fridge. Yep. Don't people brew coffee with cold water? I don't think it's a like great... Cold, cold drip? No. Yeah. Is that what it is? No. Yeah. Look, I don't really like it. I find them really unbalanced. I, I find them very sour tasting and they lack balance. I don't know. There's something about it that I just don't like. It just feels weird. Yeah, okay. Weird texture. Just not quite right. A bit like this beer. Just not quite there. <laughs> this beer is fucking horse shit. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's way better to brew your coffee really, really, really well yeah. and then just toss it in the fridge. Yep. That seems to work way better. Is that better technically a cold brew? Not really, because you're not brewing cold. Well, it's cold. chilled hot brew if you wanted to be fucking... Mm, unless we're going to call it... Yeah, we're going to bottle it up and call it chilled hot brew. Chilled hot brew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The third and final question, I'll leave it at, leave it at three. Mm. Um, civet cat coffee. Huh. I know you'd probably coffee know about Luwak. this. Coffee Luwak. Luwak. Coffee Cat shit coffee. It's not good. Have you had it? No. It's it's not, I refuse to pay top dollar for something to catch shit out what is the reported price of I've got no idea but I know it's expensive I heard it's expensive yeah I've had it before yeah what's the cost of I'm going to google it Jamie's Jamie. on it bros Jamie so what is what is okay so the idea what's is called? it's fucking so dumb what, what's god it? damn that movie that dumb movie fucking whatever what movie with um mm. fucking Morgan Freeman the bucket list. Oh, the yeah. The bucket list, and he talks so, about that. That's where he talks. That's where it kind of all blew, blew up, up from, from that goddamn movie. What sort of coffee? What is it called? Coffee uh, what? Yeah. L- coffee Luwak. Luwak coffee. Coffee Luwak. Yeah, okay. And the idea is that there is this ferret-like fucking animal called a civet. Where does it originate? Bali. Thailand? 
Sure. It's like it's Thailand. Somewhere Southeast like Asia will just I had it in Bali. That's where, where right, I okay. drank it. I saw the cats and saw the right, shit okay. and saw them roast it and was appalled by the whole process. So there's the idea that there's this fucking cat and this little ferret-shaped <laughs> fucking thing and that it only prefers the ripest cherries. And somebody chases after this goddamn cat. Okay, woo. Okay. Pause. You found something. Fuck me. If this is legit, like I'm just Googling, so it could be bullshit. But there's a business insider that says, holy fuck me dead. 35 to 100 US dollars a cup. Yeah, I probably paid about 35 US dollars for mine. That's fucking crook, man. What's wrong with people? Right. Sorry, continue. I would pay 35 bucks for a really unique coffee experience. It'd want to, like, yeah, the experience. Right? Like, I probably... Yeah, I, I guess. I think I've paid... I, the, the most I've paid for a an espresso was 20 bucks, and it was an ultra uh, rare varietal, and it was great. It was really yummy, and it fell outside of what I ever could experience coffee tasted like. Mm. It was really interesting, right. and yeah. Okay. It was from El Salvador. It was a varietal called Orange Babon. I've never had it before. It was awesome. Probably a marketing thing too. Like it probably, like the the race the profit ratio probably that the roaster like made. Or Look, if it had cocaine, but I'd probably anyway. Um, yeah. So Civic Cat originated in Southeast Asia, and the idea is that this cat goes around and eats only the ripest cherries, and then some poor fucking bastard has to chase after the cat and pick the beans out of its shit and then roast those beans and then brew them. Right. Okay. And what is it supposed to make it that's... Well, it's meant to make it taste amazing. And there's a whole bunch of fucking reported reasons. First of all, the cat has only picked the ripest cherries. Second of all, there's something reportedly about the enzymes of the cat's the cat's stomach reacting with the seed changes the composition of the seed look Hit this me. is fucking bullshit <laughs> it's fucking me, bullshit okay so seeds have been passing through the intestinal tract of animals for, since time immemorial and not changing that's true because if they did they wouldn't fucking grow mm. <laughs> Since the dawn of time. <laughs> I feel like this is contentious. It's not. It's just dumb. God damn that movie. God. So, <laughs> the other idea that a cat is going to pick out only the ripest cherries. Okay. So, because of this movie, the value of this coffee is going through the roof. There are more, there is more demand for Luat coffee than there is supply. So these cats are put into captivity, they're put in cages, and they are force-fed exclusively coffee, which is disgusting. I have been to a coffee plant. I've been to a so bunch of coffee plants. it's inhumane as fuck too. It's fucking disgusting. I've been there. I've seen it. Like, so I've, I have been to coffee plantations. I mentioned briefly that I got the opportunity to help set up one in Uganda. I have eaten a lot of coffee cherries by themselves straight off the tree and it's an awful feeling awful high you know when you drink like so much coffee that you start to sweat and you start to get crazy anxiety and, twitchy and you and shake and you twitch and you can't think and you feel like you're going to die you feel like you're going to spew that's what it feels like when you eat coffee cherries Right. when you drink a lot of coffee you can imagine that you're not consuming all of the caffeine like the, yeah. that is available but when you eat it you're getting the whole lot yeah, that's and it's an so. awful feeling 
Worse eye. Don't recommend. Not good. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, right. And so these cats are force-fed coffee, right? And then, which is not the... Well, then they're not picking the ripest cherries because somebody fucking picked them for them and then just gave it to them. So the whole process is utter bullshit. Right. But it does taste a little bit better than all of that. Well, at least the experience I had was it was a little bit better than all of the other coffees that we got to taste from that plantation. Here's my theory behind that. Coffee is traditionally roasted over fire, basically in a wok, right? And that's not a great way to roast coffee. You want to basically use, if you want me to go into the coffee machine (laughs) design, maybe we'll do that another time, podcast (laughs) 2.0. But basically roasting coffee over direct flames is not ideal. We Mm -hmm. we want even heat added to the coffee. But the person that's roasting this civet coffee knows how valuable it is so they pay a little bit more attention to the way that they're roasting it yep. and also the person brewing knows the value of this coffee so they pay a little bit more attention to the mm-hmm. way that they're brewing it and everything else from the plantation they don't give a fuck about and yeah. therefore it tastes better yep. so sure it tasted marginally less bitter and slightly less dirty from all of the other coffees that came from the plantation yep but I have had coffees that are a million times better, worlds away from Civic Coffee that have just been picked off the tree by a goddamn human. <laughs> Not shit out of a cat. Not shit out of a cat. <laughs> That's Please. good to know. That's good to know. And now I feel like a fuckhead because I've actually like bought a cup of this stuff. But no, I, I really try. recommend you do not. Don't do it. I for the non. Don't like well good. for the non-humane inhumane part of it that's fucked up. Mm. Same as like coffee. I have a like eating whale. Yeah, I'll have a like I had pod machine eating whale. That's all right. Is that all right? I feel like it. If it's sustainably, like putting I a fucking, a fucking wild, wild animal in cage is fucked up. I'd eat whale. I'd eat a whale, but as long as it's sustain- okay, sustainable. Okay, wouldn't you eat? Like what cute cuddly animal would you not eat? There's not much I wouldn't eat. Mm, I've heard that about you. I don't, oh, fucking hell. I'll try anything three times. 50 bucks is 50 bucks. <laughs> True that. Nah, I don't know. I, as If it's sustainably and humanely sourced, I'll try whatever. Sure. I, I don't know. I'd probably, I, I've never been offered like a primate. I feel like that's a little bit, like not a human, but I mean like monkeys and shit. I don't know if I could do that. Oh, I feel like monkey would be gross. Dog would be gross. I'd try I'd try like, But see like That's cruel as fuck The way they do that I've got no issues With people eating dogs I've got people Issues with people that Like skin the fuckers alive And do all that Bad yeah, shit man like, Fuck that's weird Yeah I don't know there's, Yeah I feel like Eating a monkey Would be a bit weird I'd I just, probably yeah, steer clear Of bat too At the, the moment I'd probably steer clear Of that Yeah that's probably Yeah, yeah that's yeah, you don't eat silly shit and give the world fucking a pandemic, man. You don't do that. <laughs> fucking like, there's no, but there's no need to eat a fucking bat. Do you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck for? Eat don't chicken. Buy a chook. <laughs> eat a chicken. I don't know. Not Probably a chook. Way Go eat a catch. Fuck if I know anything but a bat. Whatever. But yeah, don't know. If it's sustainably and humanely and ethically sourced, sure. I'll eat basically Look, whatever. So legit coffee luwak probably 
like that's probably not what I got to experience. I didn't get to experience a wild yeah. cat and some poor bastard like scurrying after it through scooping the forest. It's scooping up these. No, nah, that's yeah. not what happens. It was, if you're going to buy a civet cat coffee, you'd want to buy that and not the civet cat coffee out of a cat totally. cage. Totally. You want to buy civet cat coffee that had and, some dude running around. Above all of those things, you probably wouldn't buy either of them. You just go down to your local and buy their mm. coffee because it's been roasted by a human. That's- <laughs> can actually taste and it's not a goddamn cat <laughs> that's probably true <laughs> that's interesting oh goddamn. um what's next oh mate that's a great question I just get really excited about yeah. coffee coffee I just, get, I just get excited about sharing it with people so yeah look as I said earlier you know the how can I do what I do for more people that is what I'm going to be working on. How can I get this product that me and the team here at Freelance, we work really hard on to try and understand whether or not it's good. Mm -hmm. We are always looking for people to share that with, be it customers that come to the cafe at Freelance or wholesale accounts that want Mm. to use our coffee. That's what like really gets us fucking excited. Can't have my coffee though. No. My coffee special. No, you can't have, well that's, that's because that's specifically done for you. So, like, anything that we can do to put this into more people's hands, I think is really interesting. Oh, man, it's a, it's a great concept that you've got running. It's like- and this is, this is the thing that is kind of fucking really cool about coffee. Like, beyond all of the shit that I've talked about, all of the science-y bullshit and all of the, the going down the rabbit hole mm. and perception and the way that humans actually interact with the world around us, mm. coffee for us in my view, is about people. It's a social thing. Right? It's hugely social, I think. People people come to freelance to socialise. Mm. They don't come here just for a cup of coffee. Coffee is just a vehicle for community to happen. Mm. That, I think, is really exciting. So when you change your lens from being like, I want to brew the best coffee in the world, don't get me wrong, I try really hard to do that. But the thing that I get most excited about is... The people that get to be... Fuck, I sound like I'm like on my soapbox here. But I, I do get really excited about the so people that my, come just, in. Hang on a second, I've just got to get my violin. Get your violin. Is it the smallest violin in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Playing just for me? <laughs> yeah, it is, man. I get excited about the people that come in here. The community that you get to be a part of. Yep. There's a few things. When I was in when I was in Uganda, the community of the people that grow the coffee from the plantation that I got to work with, mm-hmm. which is called Zukukabora. We'll put a link in the show notes, maybe. <laughs> but I don't know. You've got to remind me to do that. We can. We can. I can do so whatever you want. So this is the plantation I got to set up. And the community of the people that grew this coffee are some of the most connected people I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Here in Australia, we live these bizarre, disconnected lives where we don't know the people around us coffee shops are kind of like one of the last bastions of that Mm. of community happening outside of our home yeah the people that grow the coffee that I get to be involved with are salt of the earth human beings that are out there with their their hands in their dirt and they are producing something that is personalised beyond Beyond all all of the variations and chances for it to taste like shit, somehow this product comes out tasting good. 
and it brings people together. How fucking bizarre is that as a concept? It's pretty cool. Isn't it? And that's the thing I get really excited about. If you, mm. if I feel like alcohol doesn't even do... It's not Well, not all alcohol. Not in the same way. No. Not quite the same way. No. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that, like... Well, I, I, I knew... I love coffee. And I've always been Obviously. a coffee, coffee nerd. But never, and like, this level nerd. Yeah, there's not many of us. No. Probably a good thing. No. The people that I get to be involved with are awesome. Mm. The people I get to meet, the lives that I get to hear about, like... Well, we you met, can't beat it. Yeah. Well, we met all. I, all I, we met randomly, really. When you think about it, totally. I was just looking for a coffee supplier, someone with the same vision I had. Sure. For it, and then, yeah, like literally over coffee. Sure. Because like, we did that cupping, and then all of a sudden we just there was like similarities in totally. our interests and our drive and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. The people that come to freelance, like. You could look at it as, oh, here's just a woman coming to get a flat white or here's a dude just coming to get his cappuccino. But all of a sudden you start to realise that these are people and they're living lives that are very similar to yours. They worry about the same stuff and they get excited about the same shit. I've had, I've had people come in. How are you going? What's going on today? Um, not very good. What's happening? And before you know it, their father just died or they've yeah. just been diagnosed with cancer yep. or they're about to go through divorce or, you mm. know, or the complete opposite. I've had somebody come in and this blew my mind and I got so goddamn excited about this. Somebody came in and they said, I'll just have a decaf flat white when normally they didn't. I was like, ha you must be pregnant. And they were and they had found out a few minutes beforehand. That's epic. Right? I, like, their, that experience, that's cool as fuck. Yep. And I, I think a lot of my listeners, all six, seven of them, <laughs> that, like, because this podcast started off as a very fishing-based, because that's sure. my jam. But um, a, lot of, a lot of the people in the fishing game will relate to that. Yeah, like 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 minded fish shows. So there's 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 fish shows on all different levels, and then sure. you get these people that basically are what you are in fishing. Like as passionate as you are about coffee, they sure. are in fishing, and, and that then, freaks me out as well. I've listened to the one about the, your Barra guy, and he's talking about like the psychology of oh, Barra. That's not even scratching the surface of that, it. I listened, and that blew my mind. You couldn't. I, I came away from that. I was like, fuck. That's not even scratching. Oh, which one? The most is it. Most recent one. Oh, Jim's one. Yeah, wait. Listen to episode two. Okay. With Dan Powell. Okay. That guy is a lord, like metery, meter barra lord, like freaky. Basically, be the fish. Sure. Type shit, but could can't like fully get the full detail because it gives too much away. Because of the spot. No, it's it's more than it's way more. It's spots are obviously help like are obviously a massive contributing factor, mm-hmm. but there's so much more involved. Exactly the same as coffee. So where I buy my coffee mm. would be the equivalent to a fishing spot. Mm. How that coffee, where that coffee comes from, mm. and how it's sourced is relative to like. Hang on, how the tree fucking grows. Doesn't that freak you out? Is that it's so up? relatable, man? It's sure. insane. Yeah, I think that's why I've got a connection to it because, sure. and a connection to like what you're all about, and I think it connects again with the culture I'm trying to develop with flow state mm. because flow state's applicable across the board. 
And I said yeah. this last night on another podcast. Yeah. I was thinking about, and to say, oh, there's levels to it. I feel like it's something I should be saying when I'm stoned out of my skull. Man, the levels. But there really are levels to these sort of things, and you can go as deep as you want. And, like, when you are sitting there in the boat considering which shade of red is going to be most attractive to the fish, what you're trying to understand is, like, millions of years of evolution that have led to this mm. fish being attracted to this yeah. specific colour. One of my arguments in that thing is it's the human's perception of colour. Doesn't that freak you out? Yeah, because that people, people go, out. fish don't see fucking whatever colour at what depth. No, okay, so the fish- human eye doesn't see the motherfucking colour. Listen, I got on a rant about this before. Okay. The human eye doesn't see the motherfucking colour in the water. Do you know what I mean? Like, people are going, oh, red's the first thing to go. Okay. I'm pretty sure it, out of the colour spectrum the reds the, I'm pretty sure this Makes is how it works at, at, at the depth whatever as you just descend into the depths of the ocean well, I guess that's why all the diving equipment is like yellow like yeah but to know. the human motherfucking eye yeah red okay. might to the fish be the most vivid thing it's relatable because a lot of deep water fish are red maybe making camouflage I don't know but uh, you can sort of relate to that but sure it, it, there's no not that I know of definitive proof that that's actually what the fucking fish see I don't know who's the f- dissected a fish eye if anyone has any information on who the fuck's dissected a fish eye can tell me what fish see it's not the same as humans man Is and that would be because our, the rods and the cones in the human eye would be a different obviously different mm. composition to a fish's eye yeah but that's that's the bit that annoys me that people go fish can't see red and you go yeah but maybe they the human eye can't see red at depth at X depth Sure. I mean, yeah, you don't know the fucking fish can see it. Well, that's like so we base our lure color on our own perception. Fuck that. Wasn't well, gosh, there's something about bees and the way that bees can see ultraviolet. Like a bee will not go to the same flower twice. Yeah, right. How does it know that? I don't know. There's probably a bunch of documentaries that I've watched. Let's go GPS. <laughs> <laughs> Just put some marks all flowers as been doing. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's fucking... It's, but it's those people, right? Mm. The point I was trying to make was it's those people that think that little bit further, that go mm. that little bit deeper, that get more out of the thing they're interested in. Sure. And they're the people who succeed in fishing, who succeed in coffee, who succeed in business, who succeed in fucking fitness, who mm. succeed in whatever, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's those people that... that that choose to question everything and gauge a rounded opinion on everything based on left field, right field, straight in front of you, behind you, all that shit. Well, that's the thing that is... Okay, so... What you're interested in... Mm. So I was What thinking, you're passionate uh, about is probably the best way to put it. Right, interested so, in is not really... It's like a little bit dabble, but... Okay, so when about. did you work out... So I'm trying to think about when I got passionate about coffee initially mm. I was like fuck that's interesting this one was this first espresso tasted shit and this one mm. didn't for fishing for me for fishing it for me with fishing good English is of always for as long as I can remember right I've fished forever did you have uh, like mm. a mentor my or dad some? my right. dad fished flat out and always was looking further ahead than what everyone else was doing sure always outside the box okay which is where I got it from I see and my grandfather fished on both sides of my family 
uh. grandfathers fished on both sides of my family and my friends families fished as well and my old man like sort of just thought, basically thought outside, thought outside the box is a perfect way of putting it uh-huh. which like obviously what example can you give for that um, in terms of like line choice or um, let's say place, or shot placement like where do you where yeah, you so place back in the day the, he back in the day please to all of the one listeners that are still listening <laughs> forgive my noobness <laughs> nah it's fine man because it's, it's super the people will relate between sure. the two I guarantee you but I guarantee you the people that give a shit will relate sure um, so where I'm from in southwest Queensland uh-huh. a lot of the fishing was land based line fishing uh-huh. with bait I see I'll, I'll try and explain it to like yeah, people I, like I yourself think I who, because you can not do it that yeah. way you can do it yeah. with so, lures or and yeah. you can do it out in the ocean yeah then there was the minor people that used, used in boats still use bait and then there was the people when those sections it's, it's the top of the Murray Darling system that uh-huh. we used to fish and it's basically big long extensions of river that are basically belong so to speak and when it rains and floods it all meets up and they all make a, a system uh-huh. So when they clear up, they go clean and you can see a few feet into the water, people will troll small spin metal lures, basically, just little small metal lures and pick up fish, huh. historically. Sure. And there probably has been the odd people that's cast lures bits and pieces. My old man was like, okay, why can't I troll in dirty water? And I remember going out as a kid, trolling for fish. People go, you, you, don't, you can't troll spinners we used to call them like, like tiny little spinners with a little little like it's like a flashy little yeah it's like it's just got a, like a, it's like imagine like a goldy brass mm-hmm. shaft with a treble like a three hook uh-huh yep on the end of it sure. and a little spoon on the top and sure. it just spins around the water and makes flash and color and whatever sure. vibration and my old man was like why Whoa, the fuck can't... vibration god damn yeah that, that's another variable yeah. god damn so my old man was like why why the fuck doesn't work in dirty water so we did the same thing in dirty water caught just as many fish ah so you it's because people it was like I tell you you can't catch fish on clean so your dad tested tested well, he based just, on a datum he used he used a baseline piece of information and then tested that yeah, hypothesis I, I guess so it's like someone told him or everyone's told him that you can't spin fish at that place you can't spin fish in dirty, in water. dirty water and dad's like why? why not so he went and did it and, and proved it that worked. it was bullshit and it was fucking horse shit Right. So then... There are so many rules in the coffee industry that are constantly being disproven. But yeah. Right, it's, 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 it's very similar. It's a similar thing. You can, you can fish freshwater and saltwater. Correct. On a boat or from the land. Correct. And you can use bait or not. Correct. That's what, like, six different variations of fishing. And that's, like, not even half a percent oh it's, it's, it's obviously nothing no. because then you talk about a whole bunch of other different things like Literally. so when you're talking about vibration that makes me go fuck there is a perception of the world mm. that fish have that we don't really pay attention to the same way they got like lateral lines man what they pressure temperature fucking <sighs> fuck that's freaky they f- elect like some fish feel electric Electric electricity yeah, sharks right. is a perfect example sure taste Sharks again, blood. Yep. Heaps of shit. Sunlight, cloud, water pressure, air and pressure. That's, and that's wind. one of the things that's kind of weird, right? And that's where humans are separate from mm. the, the things that we hunt. 
is that these creatures are so flighty. Like if you've ever done uh, like a really solid deer hunt mm. or or anything like that, fishing or spearfishing. Mm. I used to do a bit of spearfishing when I was a kid and mm. I really love it. I haven't done it for such a long time. I'd love to go out, man. I'd, I'd love to do that. So these creatures are different from humans because they are always trying to avoid being eaten. Mm. We don't get fucking eaten by anything. Not anymore. By, we've gone, we've, by, we've gotten by mistake. very comfortable. If you get eaten by a crocodile, you probably deserve you've been, to. You're doing a dump. Yeah, a dump doing fight. something dumb. But yeah, we, we've, we've become comfortable in what we are as and a species. And almost no other species outside maybe dogs and cats are like that. Hmm. And so it's yeah, a completely different paradigm for thinking. Hmm. In when you're not constantly worried about whether or not something's going to jump out of a bush or from behind a log or hmm. behind that seaweed and yeah. eat your goddamn face. Yeah, so like, that's why you've got to get it right. You've got to like... And I guess that must be the draw for you that you find so exciting trying to figure that puzzle out. It's like a Rubik's Cube. It's a never-ending puzzle though. Sure. You can think you've got it nailed and then the fish will just go and do something weird and you'll be like, what the fuck and why? And then sure. you try and figure that out. And then it just it's a never-ending circle. It's a challenge. And sure. I thoroughly enjoy it. And it's not, I like being outdoors, I like being on the water, mm. sunrises, nature, animals. There's so many other things. How connected to nature do you feel when you're just out walking? Fucking amazing. It's we were great. talking about this, I was talking about this with uh, um, a couple of people yesterday. Sure. Um, you go to this, you get to this point and it's sort of an unexplainable thing. You get to a point and you're like, fuck, I feel, this feels fishy. It's like one of them human instincts, like, mm-hmm. a, like a, because we're animals, like it's like an animal instinct. And you're sure. like, fuck, this feels fishy. I feel like I'm going to get a bite. Uh. and I think you subconsciously like the conditions look good based on your knowledge but you also subconsciously feel this thing mm-hmm. that you like there's this vibe in the air like it yeah you know you know when you get like I don't know I get it when I'm from fighting uh-huh. like competitive fighting sure where you're like it's got this like electricity in the air mm-hmm. yeah yep. you feel like some shit's gonna go down mm-hmm. yeah that feeling that you can't quite explain and you don't know why but you, then you go bang and you get a fish there's some so I I used to do I used to train in Aikido yeah which anybody out there that sort of follows MMA or anything like that will shit all over Aikido and you know what they're, they're totally justified yeah like in like most martial arts I think except for a few probably don't really like a lot of karate stuff doesn't really would not yeah, fly can, in the cage a lot of Aikido stuff wouldn't fly in the cage either but so there are two main styles of Aikido there is what's called Iwama Ryu and then there's Aikikai pause it there I'm just gonna go for a piss man I'm busting holy fuck man that needed to happen <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like tapping feet tapping and shaking <laughs> and trying to like tense my belly button up to like try and, and then I had like <laughs> Yeah, I had like pains in my bladder and shit. <laughs> had to bail out. Aikido. Yeah, right. So there's two main schools, Iwamaru and Aikikai. Aikikai is the one that people will reference when they talk about Aikido. It's very flowy looking and it looks mm. a lot like oh, Tai Chi. I remember this, yeah. Right? And then there's Iwamaru. And it's a bit more like Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, right. Like, it'll feel like your, your, your shoulder will come out of its socket. That's good. Like, yeah, it's good. That's... Still not a lot that would be applicable in the cage, but it's not as bad as Tai Chi. Anyway, so when I was in Japan, training in Japan, you get up very, very early in the morning and you go to the dojo, you clean it, 
and then you basically run into the forest in the snow and get ready to start training. And the electricity that you were talking about just then, the presence that you feel for like where you are in the world mm. doesn't get a lot more real than having to be so hyper aware of what the fuck is going on because if you're not you're going to get punched Fucked in the face yeah, man. <laughs> or hit in the head with a stick like yep. yep that's where people don't understand the walking through the bush or out on a boat or diving yeah well fighting is, is very relatable to what you're trying to say because people go why do you fight or like why do you do that shit for and you cannot explain it in a way that you don't sound like so a I can animal. feel man <laughs> yeah it's yeah like you're trying to explain it in a way <laughs> you just can't I can't do it anyway mm. explain it in a way that that they understand that doesn't make me sound like a fucking animal but mm. it's like oh it hurts, it's painful and it's fucking like sadistic and so it's not it's like I don't even I can't even I'm still doing the same thing like you just it's presence that you feel yeah it's it's like a fucking experience Mm. yeah you're just trying to feel this like you just there's just this it's adrenaline I can can understand why people why people wouldn't want to do it because it's very very confronting it's very confronting to know that if I don't move it's going to hurt a lot in a second like yeah but it's like all yes everything's heightened like sure everything like anxiety and stress and like adrenaline uh-huh. and everything it's like every fiber of your muscle your body is just it's, firing when you get in a cage in a ring and shit it's or in a street fight which is next level again sure um it's out of this it's unworldly mm. how in touch you are with your body and mind sure is that a way of putting it yeah it's yeah, sort of it's fucking crazy man so I guess the next best version of that, or, or one of the versions, I was cooking on the barbecue the other day, like a <laughs> like a fire. I was cooking on fire, and I know where you're going, and this is fucking legit. Yeah, there is, and I took, a, I had my camera there, and I took a bunch of photos of it, and there's something just weirdly primal and elemental about cooking with fire that maybe fuck, it's weird. Maybe it's a million years of humanity sort of like echoing through the experience that I'm having that's what I reckon it is it's ancestral and fucking like it's, evolutionary it's different to cooking on, on just like a hot it's plate so, in your kitchen but, like, but have you ever had a roast history yeah of course and sat beside it what, like sat beside having beers talking to people of course how much do you stare at the fucking thing while it's spinning around totally and I don't think it's because the thing's spinning sure but it sort of is but it's sort of like the fire mm. and like camping and shit you, you Camping Did isn't camping without fire. Mm. I don't know. If you ever camp in like those uh, those bullshit like caravan parks, where you're not allowed to have a fire. Yeah, and you got to camp beside people. What the and fuck am I doing here? People have got There's TVs on and shit. There's a toilet block. TVs, man. What the fuck? Who puts a cat? Why not just go and stay in motels or something? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Are you fucking, hungry? Yeah, man. Let's go get some burgers. That's a fucking great idea. I'm sorry. Let's do that. Let's round it out. So, um, if people want to see what you're all about, man, at Instagram, Instagram. Ryan Tolman. Fuck, I don't is that know my Instagram whole yeah, handle is. Ryan Tolman, and that's all it is. T O L E M A N. That's it. Ryan Tolman. Yep, coffee guy. Um, and and you should check out freelanceroasting.com, which is yeah dot uh, freelanceroasting.com. You can. Check us out, see what we're about, and um, also follow us on Instagram there too. Yep. Um, Does anybody use Facebook anymore? 
I don't. I hate oh, the I fucking thing. Fuck, it's a cesspool, isn't it? It's full of poisonous filth, man. It's gross. It's good for buy, swap and sell, that's about it. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace gets me every time. <laughs> it's like Gumtree, but easier. But you let more fuckheads on there, like mm. tire-kicking dogs. Flat out. Time for some food. Right, man. Thanks very much for your time. Hey, man. That was awesome. Appreciate it.